0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Australian Made Week kicks off on May 15th. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Armisen.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Road to the Ashes. Thanks to Australian Made, look for the green and gold kangaroo My name is Simon O'Donnell, and we look forward to speaking to you each week as we build up to the 2023 Ashes series, which gets underway June 16 at Edgbaston. Five test matches against the old enemy. It's going to be a beauty. You'll hear every ball of the Ashes live across the SEN network each week. Here on the road to the Ashes, we'll discuss the latest Ashes news, dissect the key issues, speak to those involved, those in the know. I'm about to introduce to you someone who was right in the know over there in the UK. But first, our first program, later in the program, Australian squad member Matt Renshaw. He'll uh, join us. Uh, He won't want to see the dust of India over in the UK, but he'll be looking forward to getting over there and being part of an Ashes contest. And a man that was a great part of Ashes contest right throughout his career is Steve Harmison. English cricket, great of course, and comes to us through... Talk Sport Cricket in the UK, who will be uh, jointly doing this program right through the build-up to the Ashes. And, Steve, you had a, a wonderful time uh, over the, the journey in the Ashes, a couple of wins, a, even a couple of losses, uh, but they are it is something special, something you're looking forward to.
2: Yeah, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. And, Simon, yeah, it's fantastic. Can't wait for the Ashes to... To come around. It's gonna be a quick one, five games in six weeks. I'm really looking forward to see who can manage that. But no, it's like you mentioned the old enemy. It was my journey was a an interesting one. I had a great education in 2002 three as a very, very young, wet behind the ear uh, whippersnapper to come up against you know the probably the greatest Ashes Ashes team, I would say, was mm. like the Warren McGraw Gillespie Lee at that pump. Steve Walt leading that side uh, managed to play in the foot for the, 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 the last four test matches after carrying Simon Jones off after that horrendous injury. in Brisbane then part of the greatest series probably of all time, which is the the 2005 Ashes. Um, after the first ball in Brisbane, I think I had a pretty decent series um, because it couldn't have gone any better, any, any worse from from uh, point two. Of that point, se- two balls of that series, and then obviously finished my career on a high at, at the Oval, um, last game ever in a in a Test match, which was the victory ag- against um, Michael Clark, with Ricky Ponton's men um, at the Oval in two thousand and nine. So, look, a, a fantastic time, won two, lost two, and I think this is probably the most eagerly awaited series since two thousand and five, with the way. Both sides have played. I think both, I think the teams, I think the, the situation is, is is a lot similar, where in 2005, Australia, probably the best team in the world, sorry, best players in the world at the time. But I think England going into that series, all them years ago, were probably the best team in the world with a, the with a 15 months going into it. And I see that a little bit like this one. I think Australia probably got the better players than England. Um, and English conditions, the Dukes makes it a little bit more of an even contest. I think in the last twelve months, the way England have played, I see England being the best team in the world at this minute in time. So, it's all in all, it's going to be a fascinating series.
1: I mean, talk us through Ash's series. Um, you know, you, you've had a, a, a wonderful career, and you've played in you know some unique Test matches that, that had fantastic finishes. You played sixty-three Test matches in your career. What's the difference between a Australia versus England and an Australia versus India, for example?
2: I think that five-letter word, Simon, <laughs> <isn't it>? ashes. <laughs> as simple as that. Does wonderful things to your body um, and your mind. And I think that's where this one is is um gonna be brilliant for the simple fact there's a lot of talk about baseball. Um the players don't like it. Brendan doesn't like it himself, that word. But the way England have played, um, I look at This series in the question marks have been chucked at this team, where you you said could England England can't play like that all the time, surely not. And then they come up against you know South Africa and you can't do that against South Africa's bowling attack of Kigisa Rabada and Unric Nokia bowling rockets at ninety plus miles an hour. They blew them away. India's group you know, India's team in that one off test match, can't play like that. India won't really be there for the contest, to be fair, but then it was thrown at them in Pakistan. and score seven and a half and over, not just for a session, but for a whole day, shows you that this team is is sort of pushing the boundaries of Test match cricket. Um, and it'll be, you know, said be interesting to see what happens in this series. But this series has got one thing in the mentality of that five-letter word, Ashes is completely different it's a different contest whatsoever your front and back page you're not just it's not just about um the 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 bilateral series that nobody's really that interested in it's all about the pressure of having that, that goldfish bowl of of what is going on in your life in and around the days you've got off because that's all that's talked about and like i said before Similarities to 2005 in England. There's going to be no football World Cup, mm. no Euros to to sort of go with it. So the whole story in English sport over them six weeks in June and July is going to be Ashes cricket, and that is what I think is going to be the difference because they're not going to be able to walk down the street. They're going to be. It's going to be a little bit like being in that that India goldfish bowl because everything's going to be scrutinised, and that adds a lot of pressure to the performance.
1: You mentioned uh, 2005 a, a couple of times. Prior to that 2005 victory at the Oval, to, to um, winning that series at, at the Oval, Australia won eight of the prior Ashes contests. How did you turn that around? Because it was quite a dominance leading into that 2005 series. It was. It was
2: we had 18 years without even coming close to to winning the ashes. We won in Sydney every now and again when Australia had given up after their Christmas dinner and we were 4-0 up at the time. So that was quite a, a regular occurrence for the England cricket team. Um, but it was always a little bit different in, in England. And we we went in the preparation we had and we went in as in from the West Indies all the way through to the English summer and playing um, in New Zealand, the West Indies, where we went seven and a seven, not too dissimilar to what this lot have done. And we went to South Africa and won, and the, the, the first team to win, you know, after apartheid in South Africa, and we were ready for Australia. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it all started well at the, it Lords. my five for 43 was going really well until at lunchtime, it's sort of tea time, and then... And Glenn came on for the last session and made my five and for put 43, looked like 550, because I think he had five for five at, at one point. And then we, we left Lords going, well, that's it. You know We we were the best team in the world, but same thing happens as normal. Australia turn up and you know, pull our pants down, tickle our bellies, and away we go, and here goes the series, lost again. But there was an interesting bit in that build-up to the this, this second Test match. A couple of things. Um, Michael Vaughan told us that he was going to stick by the side that had lost at Lords and the confidence that give 11 men from that point of view he then said we're going to have to score at 3.5 and and over as opposed to 2.7 because that's the only way we can beat Australia and a lot of our batters were scratching their heads and going how on earth are we going to score at 3.5 and over against Glenn McGrath and Shane Warne and we were like this could end badly Um, and and then Glenn McGrath stands on a ball at 9.45 on a, on the Edge Baston the morning of the, the second test match at Edge I made this joke before that 10 10 Englishmen and a South African were doing cartwheels about <laughs> 50 yards away because of what it meant to lose McGrath. And that for me was the difference in the series. Because what what happened at Lords was, was sort of equalized at, at the morning of, of the first morning at Edge And from there, I think we didn't, we, England didn't look back in that series. It was a, a great contest. The whole country got involved. Um, and I think that's going to be exactly the same this, this time around.
1: If, if there's a mental edge on, you know, the Australians have named their squad, and we'll talk a little bit later about when and who you think will be part of the England team. But is there a, a mental edge, do you think, either side takes into this series? Or would you put it pretty much on an even keel?
2: I think it's 50-50, Simon. I don't know what, what you think about from an Australian side, but I think it's 50-50 when it comes to where the series is at at the moment in time, more for the fact that England have got some question marks over the fast bowlers. And I think that's going to be a big, big difference in this series. England need an archer or a wood in, this, in, in, each, of the te- in each of the test matches. They need one of them, if not both, they have the option of having them both. Because I think they're not so much got away with it New Zealand, broad Anderson Robinson. I think England I think England would struggle not struggle to get 20 wickets to get in against Australia with that lineup. I think it would make it a lot easier for for Australia to overcome the initial you know, danger and then if they got in on a flat one and the sun came out, which doesn't normally happen too long, too much in England. But if it does come out and it does get flat, that bone attack, I think you could you could sit on it and then make hmm. make a score if things aren't you know if the if the ball's not moving moving right. laterally. So I think England need their fast bowlers to, to sort of be fit and turn up, and that for me is, is where the, the question marks are. The question marks for England are that fast bowler and number one and number two, and I think Australia have got that similar question mark which is are your fast bowlers going to be fit and can your number one and your number two overcome england's burst with the duke ball from around the wicket which england have been so successful at in the recent past because there is a question mark on kawaja and 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 warner for me but their replacements harris is another left-hander who's Got 100 and you got 180 for Gloucester in the in the last round of county championship matches, so that for me is where potentially I see England getting at Australia, but I see this contest at this minute in time 50 50.
1: It's amazing statistically. It backs up, or the statistics back up what you've just said. Seeing this at 50 50, I think uh, over the fullness of time of. Ashes series, 340 test matches have been played between the two countries. 8.5% of those matches have been drawn. Australia mm. have won 465 and England have won 45.1%. It just says it all, really, how extraordinary the series is and how even the series is and how the effort people put into it. Because they don't want to be the side that gets beat.
2: Hmm. Yeah, no, that's that was always the, th- the thing that was thrown at Ricky Ponting that he came twice to England and lost twice. He came twice to England and he was the one that lost it twice. Oh you know, five, oh nine. Where before that, you know, Steve Waugh's team, Alan Border's team, and you know, Mark Taylor's team, they never looked like losing. Never looked like losing the Ashes. So all their win percentages. England, a lot of he- a lot of them heavily towards sort of 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, rather than in the current time, especially in Australia. Um, and England have had a, a little bit of success recently in in England, but I, I it could, I, I still think so. I mean, it comes down to to England's bat- batting against Australia's bowling. There's a lot of talk I mentioned earlier about. The bumps in the road that this team have been asked to go over when this new Basball era has come together, and it's always had things in front of them, and they've always steamrolled straight over mm. them. You know the pace bowling of, of of South Africa, what it's like in Pakistan, but this I think is a different level, more internally because of the pressure that the Ashes puts on you. But I think this bowling attack is a level above if they're all fit, which is. Ken Cummins, Ken Stark, Ken Hazlewood, big question mark over him, Boland, Hamlin Green. Can you play five test matches in six weeks in England where sometimes the last sessions played in you know, cold, damp weather to then go again and go again? I think if, the, if Australia's bowling attack is the same for four out of the five, then I think England could be, that's where it could be the difference between England winning and England losing, and that's my opinion.
0: Australian Made Week kicks off on May 15th. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Armisen. I, I think the conversations with Dave,
3: like any of the senior players, they're, they're excited. I think it's always a, um, a highly anticipated series. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's invested in, uh, and wants to make sure that he, uh, well, first of all, helps us um, finish. I think it's been a really consistent couple of years on the test front and by, um, by trying to win the world test championship and then shift that focus really quickly to the ashes.
1: Yes. This is the road to the ashes with Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison over in the UK. Thanks to Australian made look for the green and gold. That was Australian chief selected George Bailey there on David's Warner, David Warner's inclusion in the squad. Steve, been a lot of conjecture about it. He, he's one hell of a player. He's had one hell of a career, but you know, people just keep trotting out as they should that uh, internationally he hasn't scored anywhere near as well as he has at home and particularly against this English attack where he's going to come up against Anderson and Broad again who have had enormous success against him. How do you feel about the Warner situation? It's
2: great, isn't it? It's fantastic. I love <laughs> it, mate, because it's, it's like a pantomime villain. If I, to be honest, if I was in the Australian camp as well, I wouldn't be too bothered about that David Warner is big enough and he's ugly enough to detect that. He's had it before for many many years, and if they're having a go at David Warner, they're deflecting they everything against forgetting about anybody else. So look, he is a, I think he's a fantastic player. We had him, had him at, we had him at Durham um, when he was very young before he came, and you know a superstar in, in, in the Australia side. Um, and I've got a lot of time for David Bourne. I've got no problem with, you know, he gets close to a line on the field and sometimes he crossed it and rightly being punished for it but he is a phenomenal character. He's an excellent player. I think he's good for the game Um, and if he scores runs in a first test match and he plays all five test matches, then all of a sudden I think he's good for the series. Everybody loves a pantomime villain and everybody loves somebody to get at and you know, England supporters will be getting at David Warner. If I was Australia's captain and hierarchy, and thinking if he can just get score- runs in the first Test match, all efforts will be going at Warner. He's not 22. You know, he's mm. well into his you know, he's he's mid thirties. What is he 36? He's had this before. He's experienced people throwing all sorts at him, and I think that might just deflect from the rest of people having to go with the rest of the team. So it'd be it'd be a hard first Test match for him. Of the pressure that will be on. He had a t- chance in the World Test Championship. He's, a, yeah, like you said, a four. He's, he's had a wonderful career. And what I find normally, Simon, is when great players go out, they tend to go out on a high. And from an English point of view, I hope it's not against England in, us, in, in the Ashes, but um, you mentioned there Anderson and Broad. I'm not so sure Broad will play in the first Test match. I think it'll be Anderson and Robinson that play in the first test match. That might do David Warner a bit of a favour mm. because Robinson is not as comfortable on around the wicket as broad is the left-handers. And I think that whether that comes into the factor from an England selection point of view, I think whatever happens, Ollie Robinson plays in that first test match. And if he does, barring injuries, it'll be Anderson and Robinson, not Anderson and Broad.
1: It'd be interesting to see how that uh, that rolls out in the first test. Uh, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, Steve but a, a player like David Warner, he loves it when it gets tough. You know, when and when yeah. people write him off, he says, "No, no, 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 I've got more music in me yet. I'm a songwriter, and I've got one more to <laughs> got one more to write." So uh, I don't think you can write him off. And the influence that would have if he does come off will be enormous to number three, mm-hmm. four, five, six, seven, and you know that Australian squad travelling around. if – if he can score runs in that first Test match, I, I think it, it sets up the Aussies even more so to be competitive and play to their best in pressure situations, which we know will be part of an Ashes series. You know, pressure pressure is massive and um, you know, players have, have got to get ready to handle that pressure. Let me just quickly touch on, I um, the squad for the Aussies that, that are coming over before we touch on a few of the the England guys you expect to be going out there and representing the old dart in the, in the first Test match. The squad, of course, Pat Cummings' captain, Scott Boland, Alex Carey, Cameron Green, at a wonderful tour of India. Marcus Harris, who you've, you've mentioned, he's already um, uh, trotted out a ton in county cricket so far this year. Josh Hazelwood, with some injury problems over the last few months, uh, hopefully fully fit. Travis Head, Josh Inglis, the reserve wicketkeeper, Usman Khawaja, Manas Labashane, Nathan Lyon, Mitch Marsh. Todd Murphy, Matt Renshaw, Steve Smith, Mitch Stark, and, of course, David Warner. Uh, guys like Cam Bancroft, Bancroft, Michael Nessa, uh, Lance Morris, they've been left out, has, has Peter Hanscom, but a couple of those are over there playing just in case. So that, that's, a, that's a, a pretty good squad, um, but I can just see a, a Warner great start will even make that squad, squad even stronger.
2: Yeah, 100% agree with that, and I think it comes down. So I mean, it comes down to the two openers on both sides. Mm. If the two openers on both sides can give the middle order some some chance against the moving ball, because we, we know it. it, it yeah, we, I talked about Matt Har- Matt, uh, Marcus Harris. Marcus Harris, we spoke at TalkSport with him over the courses last week, and talked about the difference between. A Duke ball and the kookaburra ball, and we can speak to Matt Renshaw about it because he spent a bit of time at Kenton at Somerset. But if you can overcome that new ball and give your middle order a chance, it's not like the kookaburra where it goes after 10 over, seven to 10 overs. You know, this could swing and seem for the best part of 18, 20 overs, especially if you've got someone like Jimmy Anderson with it. So it's so important that the question marks on both sides for me in the batting department. England's one, two, and three because I still think Ollie Pope is still sometimes like a cat in a hot tin roof in English conditions. Um, different. They've got Labuschagne and uh, Australia got Labuschagne and Smith at three and four. Two more solid characters mentally and technically um, mm. in English for English conditions because they used to do it. But one and two is huge for both sides. Mm. Warner, Kawaja, left-hander, England bowling around the wicket with a duke ball. And then, obviously, Duckett and Crawley, who Crawley is off the back of a big hundred. So is Duckett in, in county championship. But there's still a lot of question marks on whether they should be inside or their technical ability to overcome the new ball in England. So that could be the difference between the sides as well. So I look at the Australia squad, and a little bit like England, I think they've got question marks at one and two. I think you, which bowl is going to be fit so where uh, mentioned earlier, Archer Wood is Hazelwood going to be fit because he's made for English conditions. You know, that the McGrath type close to stumps really questioning techniques in and around that off stump batsman coming forward, you know, inside, outside edges. That is huge, especially with the pace of Cummins and Stark, if they're both play, but Boland is a, a, a definitely a ready-made option in English conditions. So, they're the, the, the issues with that and who bats at number five. Travis Head last mm. time in England in County Cricket. He had a shocker at Sussex. Um, and Matt Renshaw, another one who's gone and, and done some opening batting, but probably the middle order option as well if Head doesn't work. So for me, they're the areas that England probably will target um, to get at Australia, especially when in the early part of the, of the, of the test series, which is... It's always difficult place to go and play. Baston, first test match, in Lords with a slope. If you're not used to batting on that, that can do wonderful things to the mind for batsmen as well. So, yeah, they're the things that for me early early part of the series where England will try and exploit Australia.
1: Steve, just quickly explain to us where, where we talk about um, you know the, the slope at Lords and and you know the the pitch at Edgebaston. Just explain the differences. You, know, you, you obviously played. Ashes series here in Australia, and and just to those people saying, well, why is it so different? Because I, I must admit, I found them yes, that little bit slower, um, that little bit softer. Um, the the marks by towards the end of a test match were actually holes in 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 the pitch, not so <laughs> much scuff marks. They were more actual holes of three to four inches deep. Um, so, just explain the different surfaces between. Australia and England, and, and how
2: you bowl to those different surfaces. Yeah, well, the, the, the surfaces in Australia, the, the crater, don't they? The crack with, the, with the heat and stuff like that. Where England, it's more the dampness, the the moisture in the surface, and you can dig a hole, dig a hole, and as the surface gets drier, from a bowling point of view, it's a nightmare because you don't land in the same spot every single ball. You tend to land on jagged edges, and you know it, it's 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 harder from a bowling point of view. On especially at somewhere like Old Trafford, Old Trafford's hard on, on the foot. When you look at the, the, the pitches that they're going to play on, Edge Baston will be a lot slower. Um, Edge Baston will be flat. Um, it tends not to turn there as much. So, Nathan Lyon's very, very experienced. He can he can bowl on on, on any given mm-hmm. surface. To, you know, the amount of wickets that yeah, he's got nearly 500 test wickets, so he's an experienced campaigner. Um, but it for some reason, Ed- Edgbaston has been a bit like Brisbane for, for, for Australia. It's a, it's a tough place to go. England win a lot of cricket at Edgbaston. And I think that's why they moved the first test from back in my day was always at Lord's. Now the first test matches at Edgbaston. The slope, a lot of the Australian bats are, are experienced at the Lord's slope nearly a meter 1.9 meters from fine leg to fine leg from bowling from the nursery ground end to the towards the, the the pavilion end. There there is, and if you don't quite get that right as a bowler, you can travel because your lines and lengths, your line from to why McGraw was so dangerous at at Edge Baston from the pavilion end. Because all you had to do was land it just outside of stump and it was always going to challenge the stumps. Where if you bowled that length from the other from the nursery end, it was comfortably well outside stump because it would go down with the slope. So there are a lot of a lot of differences in the first two Test matches when it comes to the surface. Um, but I look at the Australian side. Australian side, there was a lot of a lot of players but a lot of cricket at, in England.
0: Hmm.
2: So because of that, because of the, the, there was a lot of noise when Steve Smith signed for Sussex, and it was like no matter what he does in them three games. The average is 50, um English cricket, so playing for Sussex is not going to make a great deal of difference to Steve Smith's preparation for the Ashes for me. Um, and when it comes to to batting on English on English wickets, a lot of the Australian batters have have had some comf- have, have, have had some success on them. So they're the other two for me, once that them two get going, then yeah, you know, it's pretty much straight up and down at Leeds Old Trafford. Yeah, it's a little bit more piercing it, and you probably get a little bit more tennis ball bounce at at the oval on the surfaces, which probably Old Trafford and the oval start to get a little bit like Mm. the Australian surfaces, as as close to the Australian surfaces as you're going to get in England.
1: Uh, It'll be a beauty. Five tests, um, Australia versus England, and uh, the first one uh, in Birmingham, June 16 to 22nd, 28th of June to the 2nd of July, Sixth to the 10th at Headingley. That second one is at Lords. Then we head to Old Trafford, July 19 to 23. And the final test at the Oval, July 27 to 31. Five wonderful Ashes test matches on the way. Australian Maid Week kicks off on May 15th. Look for the green and gold
0: kangaroo logo. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Road to the Ashes. Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison with you. Thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. Well, for the 17 Australians named in the Australian squad, the journey has started to Birmingham for the first test on June 16 against the old foe, Australia against England. And Matt Renshaw is part of that 17 man squad heading over to the UK. Uh, Matt, there's always a massive build up as I welcome you to the road to the Ashes, to a series like this. Do you get as excited as we do or more so?
3: Um, I think probably a little more, um, seeing as I've never been a part of an Ashes squad before. So this one's a bit more special for me, especially sort of given my history as well.
1: Give us your history of playing over there. Have you played some county cricket, league cricket, those sort of things over the journey, Matt? Yeah, I played
3: three, three years of county cricket and then I played, when I just finished school, I played for the MCC Young Cricketers and a year of league cricket that year as well. So I um, spent a bit of time over there playing cricket and, and loved pretty much every minute of it.
1: Steve and I have been talking about the differences of batting on Australian pitches to batting on English pitches. Do you find there's a difference?
3: Yeah, there's probably probably the biggest one, especially for, for me from Brisbane is is the bounce in the wickets. Um I don't know, the the league cricket wickets can be very interesting at times as well, but the um the county wickets are a lot better than them and yeah, they they tend to offer a little for bat and ball, but yeah, it's just the bowlers are always sort of in it 'cause the the low bounce and balls can just go underground at any random time, I feel.
1: But we won't be getting dry squares like we did in the India. They got water, I reckon, over here. I yeah, really they
3: want. probably
1: won't spend as much as those Indian ones. <laughs> no, I, I don't think they
2: will. Yeah. Matt, what about the ball that you're going to play against? You said you've had a couple of years playing in, in county cricket, but the ball, the Duke ball is completely different to the Cucumber ball. What sort of technical changes do you feel is, are you going to need? And seeing you go in as an opener in Australia here, in New Zealand, um, the difference between batting at five and batting at number one?
3: Yeah, I think the juke ball just probably has a lot more challenges with than the kookaburra, a lot of different challenges as well. So I find the juke ball obviously swings a lot more than the kookaburra, but I think bowlers nowadays are trying to use less of that swing, um, trying to use more of like a, a C movement and then the occasional one that, that swings, and that's probably the toughest part. As a batter, I think with a kookaburra, if you're not if the ball's not swinging, you know it's not going to swing. Whereas a juke, you can be facing three or four overs and it not swing, and then all of a sudden the bowler just pulls one one swinger out of its hat and, and and knocks you over. So that's something you've really got to be um, ready for it with the juke. It can always do something, even in the 79th over of a of a ball.
1: Matt, we're so used to watching you walk out at the start of an innings, and then in India we saw you coming in in the middle order, what's the mental difference for you in preparing to bat at the top of the order and in the middle?
3: Um, I think for me, I've always opened, so it's a lot easier sort of, you know when you're going to bat, you know that how long you've got to prepare um, the 10-minute changeover or the start of the match. Um, but number five, you sort of, you start with your pads off and, and then you're working out when to put your pads on when you need to start switching on about the game. Um, And that's probably the toughest part for me. Like normally as an opener, if you're sitting in the dressing room, you've been dismissed already. Um, You're not sitting there waiting to bat. So it's a completely different mindset in that sense. So you've just got to be really on with your preparation. And I think I've I've developed that a a lot over the last few years um, and working out how to best manage myself. There's, you see a lot of different guys go about it different ways. Like, Pete Hanscom sleeps um, before he bats. So he says he gets drowsy and just goes with it. So um some guys have different plans like that. Um I'm probably more of a chat and make jokes around with the people around me. So um trying to keep myself up and about and, and trying not to, to be too fatigued.
2: Hey, Matt, do you fancy not fancy coming over? There's quite a few of the Australian squad already in England. Uh do you not fancy coming over and trying to get a uh... What We would we getting some stick, you Australians are getting some stick for coming over and having a net before the Ashes. But you think that's going to help some of the Australian players, but some of them have been experienced in English conditions before. How much is it going to help the guys going into that World Test Championship and then the Ashes?
3: Um, yeah, well, I, I was over last year for the full summer with Somerset, um, and then in December uh, we recently had our, our little girl, um, so we're bit of a life change for us and then being away in India for 6 weeks and then New Zealand for the A tour just thought it'd be best for, for me to have a little bit of a break and I think that's probably the the best thing that's happened um, for a while for me with cricket just sort of getting back to working out what I need to do and give myself and my body and mind a little bit of a break but I love love playing cricket. I love the the being able to play every day every every week for 6 weeks at the start of the season and then get a bit of a break while the T twenty action happens. Um, but no, I think it's it's a great experience for, for guys who are over there at the moment getting a chance to face some of the with some of the test guys being available. Um, I think it's something that you can't really um, discount is just the experience of playing with some of the local English guys and how mm-hmm. much knowledge. When I my first year at Somerset I had microscopic at the other end which for a 21-year-old, 20, 22-year-old was was something that I'll never forget. And the experiences I had with him were amazing.
2: And Matt, what about the challenges of playing in England? I'm talking about travels in Australia, you get on a plane and away you go. But there's challenges as well as on the field. There's some challenges off the field as well.
3: Yeah, I think the, the buses are something you've got to get used to. Um, the county grind is is one thing that you can't really explain to anyone unless they've sort of been through it. Um, probably a, it'll be a little bit different in a test tour. Um, but, yeah, it's um, a lot different to the travelling around um, in in Australia. You just get on that plane at a day, whereas the the travelling on a bus can be actually quite nice and nice camaraderie around the team as well.
1: Matt, uh, you had a ripping tour of New Zealand with the Australian AT. A couple- a team a couple of centuries and and then that that bit of time off is your preference leading into any sort of series you know, playing right up to the to the series starting or you don't mind that bit of a bit of a mental and physical break prior to a series getting underway
3: um I think it just depends on what um, what sort of stage of the season you're at obviously for India we've we've been playing for four or five months. Uh, full-on with Big Bash and then the Shield stuff as well. So we've had we had a lot of cricket before that. Probably this is a little different with being a um, little bit of a break, but you sort of get into a rhythm of cricket. Um, and, it, and I think at this stage, it doesn't take too long to get back in. So there will be a couple of weeks of um, sort of training squad with the guys who haven't gone over to England early um, up here in Brisbane, I assume. So... We'll be, there'll be plenty of really good training between now and then, so that's probably a, another way of going about it. But, yeah, I think some people like Marnus Labashain just loves playing. Um, he just always wants to be playing, so that's why he continues to go across there, whereas some guys need a bit of a break and depending on where they are at their careers.
1: Matt, what's the asses mean to a fellow like you? You've been around the, the circuit a while. you You came on the... Test scene as a youngster, you fought your way back. Uh, there's now 2020 cricket, and obviously 50 over cricket still around. Uh, the Ashes as a young man, what, how, how did you, what did you think of the Ashes? Was that sort of a dream for you to think, oh, we've been watching so much of this, I'd love to be part of it one day?
3: Yeah, well, I, I was born in England as well, so um, I won't hold that against uh, you. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I've obviously got those memories of. Probably the first Ashes was that 2005 Ashes, um, and then uh, we were living in New Zealand at the time as well, so we moved. We came across to Australia for the 2006-7 Ashes, so it was always something that probably the first memories of cricket I remember watching was those 2005 and 2006 Ashes. So um, it's definitely something that's always been with me, and um, always wanted to be a part of it. Um, so I was just pretty happy to be in that squad, squad here.
1: When you're on the county circuit, what do they feed you at lunch and tea?
3: Um, just I'm a, a bit of a man thing. who
1: likes a graze, and I, I know that you know <laughs> the short time I played cricket in England. Yeah, you know, for lunch you got lamb chops, mash and peas. I'm
3: yeah, assuming Lord, we've moved on
1: from that a bit. Yeah, I think it's
3: still pretty similar. Um, it's like potatoes, meat. There's something in England that I've never heard of called gammon, which is just like ham steaks. Which I can't say <laughs> I've ever heard of before I went over to England, but it was pretty, pretty nice. Um, yeah, just you also useful. have it with
2: pineapple as well, though. <laughs>
3: but yeah, I've, I've heard Lord's is um, an amazing meal. Um, I've, I've played there once with the MCC young cricketers and um, I remember it being great, but hopefully I'll have a, have some chances to eat there a lot more.
1: Matt, before we let you go, uh, you know, the, the opening spot has been a, a point of conjecture. There's probably, you know, Four of you going over that could could fill um, two slots. How do you how do you go about preparing yourself and and being part of that? Do you prepare yourself to go over Matt Renshaw, the opening batsman in a Test match, or a middle order batsman? H- how do you go about this?
3: Um, I think it's probably different to how I'd prepare over in India, but I think with the with the Duke ball, you just got to prepare to open and then. If you if you get that spot in the middle order, then the ball's not that much older compared to what it how it acts in India with like reverse swing and that sort of thing. So I'll go over trying to prepare to be an opener and then know that I can move move my game around pretty quickly to get that middle order um, game going. So yeah, just face as many new balls as I can, cause, or the the ten fifteen over old balls, which is where when it starts swinging as well. So. Um, I, I love the juke ball. I love the challenge that it, um, it brings and the, the evenness between bat and ball and, and it's just quite enjoyable sometimes.
1: Matt, we, uh, we really look forward to this uh, Ashes series. It's going to be a beauty and a real highlight for you and congratulations on mating, making that 17-man touring squad and we uh, look forward to watching what you produce um, positively over in the UK come uh, June, July in the Ashes series. Thank you very much. Morning, Matt Thanks, Renshaw Matt. joining us there, um, and uh, well, it's it's going to be a really interesting time, Harmy, for 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 Matt. You know, he's got those two slots, and it, it's a touch awkward. I, I know squads are always awkward because there would be three openers and two keepers and all those sorts of things. But you know, with with the the Warner conjecture, it, it's um, uh, it, it's interesting reading, and we'll be would be very interesting being part of that squad to see how it all rolls out with. Training and you know, as the matches progress and who's in form and who isn't.
2: Yeah, I think he's got probably one of the hardest jobs on that in that touring party because there's two the two question marks are one and five. Um, and they are two polar, I mean, positions polar apart in England. Mm. Um, so Matt, you know, Marcus Harris is going over there as a backup open and batsman where. I think Matt Renshaw's going over there as possible number five, possible number one. And like you like mentioned, it's not like another India or a Pakistan or a, a Caribbean tour. Um, to how you prepare yourself for that, uh, it, I think mentally it could be quite tough. So you need somebody that's strong in mind. And Matt Renshaw seems to be that that person. And probably that's why he's been picked by George
0: Bailey and the Selected. <laughs> Australian Made Week kicks off on May 15th. Look for the green and gold kangaroo logo. Road to the Ashes with Simon O'Donnell and Steve Harmison.
1: Welcome back to the Road to the Ashes. Simon O'Donnell, Steve Harmison with you. Thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. Steve, time for us to wrap things up. But a couple of important topics just to touch on. Firstly, uh, Joffrey Archer. Word reaches in the last 24 hours, there's there's still some elbow issues. Uh, that comes out of the IPL. What are you hearing? Yeah, it seems
2: that that's come back and that is a concern for English, English cricket because he is such an important cog in, I think, England's success in the Ashes. So that would be an issue. Mark Wood is about to leave the IPL because second, the birth of his second child, his daughter, is imminent. Um, he's from obviously my area I seen his wife last week In how on earth that little girl is still inside Sarah is beyond me because she's massive so Mark will be home soon so that'll be good for for English cricket to get him out of the IPL and potentially get him a four-day game once um, the birth of his daughter arrives and we wish them all well on that front so that's good from an English point mm-hmm. of view but Archer would be a huge blow I don't see him playing the first Test match anyway even if he's fit, because I think he stays in the IPL for as long as he needs to, do. his team needs him, which takes him all the way. I think it's up to about six days before the island test match, which I think possibly rules him out of that. There's no four-day cricket. So getting his workloads up might just be a little bit extra time. So he might come into contention for the, the Lord's test. Um, and I, I think England's other bowlers will be are ready to go. Robinson's had a game. Anderson's just bowled 46 overs in a first-class match this week, um, which is mind-boggling wow. at a 40-year-old, and why would you do that, some would say. Um, and Broad's having a game as well. So I think England's bowling stocks, apart from the fast bowler, is pretty good, but it is a massive worry on Jofra.
1: That's coming out of the IPL, obviously, uh, that worry about uh, Joffre Archer. Also, I'm hearing the IPL are starting to summon a few of the, the big names to commit to multi-year contracts for mm. the IPL going forward. Is that what you're hearing? And if you are hearing it, what effect is it going to have on on future series Australia-England, England-South Africa, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Not so much on England-Australia. I don't think that will be in jeopardy or England-India or Australia-India. But I think the big three might just get their way in that they'll play against each other. But I think the England-South Africa that might be a, a series which we don't have as many superstars in it. It's been coming for me, Simon, I think it was five years ago. I think it might be a little bit sooner than that now. I think the, the way the, the franchise system's working, they're taking over the world and mm. it could be football style, which is you are employed by your team and you get given in an international window to your obviously your country, which... It worries me, it concerns me, especially for English cricket on domestic cricket, first and foremost, but go where the dollar go where the dollar is or go where the pound is, and, and for me that is in, in the franchise system. I don't think it will it will be have a, a huge massive effect on the players who have got you know, test match contracts. I think they get played well enough to to keep them just at beer for for this short period of time. But in three to five years, I think the landscape of, of cricket, world cricket, could 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 change. And I think the story that hit England over the course of the last 24 hours was multi-year deals, £3 million contracts, up to £5 million wow. contracts, the likes of Joss Butler and co, who are you know essentially the best white ball players in the world. Will it have an effect on Test match cricket? Probably not as much, but I think it's probably coming.
1: No, big paydays for a, a number of the, the wonderful players uh, around the world. Steve, um, time for us to, to say goodbye to our first show of Road to the Ashes. Look forward to chatting to you again next Wednesday. Look forward to it. Thanks, Simon. and Steve Harmison joining us there. This has been Road to the Ashes. Simon O'Donnell is my name. Steve Harmison has just uh, bid you farewell. If you've got a cricket question for either of us, You can tweet us at SEN Cricket or at Talk Sport. We'll be back next week. Thanks to Australian Made. Look for the green and gold kangaroo. See you in seven days.